Welcome back, Friday Night Friends, to another episode. This one is uh, one that you can sink your teeth into. Oh, that was good. Because we're breaking down Nosferatu. This is Scary Movie Fright Night, a podcast about two guys who just bought scary movies. I'm Chris, and I love scary movies. And I'm Sam, and I hate scary movies. My body just showed Give me the heebie <laughs> Don't all you have to do is stay inside in your bed and then you won't get murdered. Huh. <laughs> okay. Now you have that recorded. So this week's theme, uh, if you didn't figure it out, was vampires. Uh, and after almost watching a very not horror movie, oh, yeah. um, which might have been good if we'd finished it, but we did not, and it's probably for the best. Uh, we instead watched the oldest movie known to man that we've ever watched, Nosferatu in 19. 19- 22. Um, you know, it was a little oldie. The oldest oldie, movie but a, known to man. You know, there were the movies that came out before that one, right? I mean, none that I've seen. So that's fair. Known to this man. It's definitely the oldest, oldest on this show, on this podcast. The oldest on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're pretty old, but uh, <gasps> not what I. Uh, <laughs> uh, but before we break out down all the crazy stuff in this very silent movie, uh, Sam, do you want to you want to tell them who was in it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So it's Nosferatu. Also, we were arguing about how to argue. Is it, is it Nosferatu or Nosferatu? Well, he has a big nose for two. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with Nosferatu. Not which one was I saying? You know, doesn't matter. This came out in 1922, directed by F. W. Murnau, written by Henrik Galen, and I think you can clarify for us. It, Credited also here to Bram Stoker, but there's some nuance there. Starring, yeah, we'll talk about it. I got a couple notes on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. give us the full, all the deets. So, starring Max Schreck, Alexander Granach, Granach, <laughs> guessing here, and uh, Gustav von Wagenheim. Um, Wagenheim. IMDb gave it a 7.9 out of 10. Nicely done. And Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. gave it a 97%. With an 87% audience score. Fun fact, when this movie came out, that website was still known as Fresh Tomatoes. Still not a funny joke. I've heard you tell it before. Dang but, it! Come uh, on, man. But no, no, it's my good joke. Good joke. Ha ha. Ha ha. ha. The tomatoes weren't even planted yet when this movie came out. Um, yeah. So let me tell you what this fresh tomato was about. <laughs> oh, this is starting off strong. The movie opens. And symphony music begins to play, which will not stop for approximately 90 minutes or so. It's 1838 in the German town of Wiesborg, and Thomas Hutter is sent to Transylvania by his employer, estate agent Nock, to visit Count Orlock, who plans to buy a house across from Hutter's own home. While on his journey, Hutter stops at an inn, and the locals are frightened just by the mention of Orlock's name. But while there, he also comes across a book telling the tale of Nosferatu. Hutter makes it to the castle where he's welcomed by Count Orlock. When Hutter's eating dinner that night and accidentally cuts his thumb, Orlock immediately tries to suck the blood out, but a repulsed Hutter pulls his hand away and still stays after that, which is a mystery to us all. Hutter awakens the next morning to find fresh punctures on his neck, which he attributes to mosquitoes, but we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That night, Orlock signs the purchase documents for the house and notices a photo of Hutter's wife, Ellen, remarking that she has a lovely neck. Creeper. Reading the book from the inn, Hutter starts to suspect that Orlock might actually be a vampire. 
With no way to bar the door, he cowers in his room as midnight approaches. The door opens by itself and Orlock enters, and Hutter hides beneath the bed covers and falls unconscious. Meanwhile, his wife awakens from her sleep and, in a trance, walks under a balcony railing and almost falls off. When the doctor arrives, she shouts Hutter's name and she can see Orlock in the castle through a vision or something, and she sees that he's threatening her unconscious husband. The next day, Hutter explores the castle and finds a coffin in which Orlock is resting down in the crypt. Hours later, Orlock piles up a bunch of coffins in fast speed mode onto a coach, climbing onto the last one and into the coffin, and the coach departs, leading Hutter to rush home himself. Ellen seemingly feels the impending darkness as Count Orlock gets closer and closer, at times becoming ensorcelled by the darkness. The coffins are taken aboard a ship, and while sailing, all of the ship's crew end up dying, and Orlock takes control. When the ship arrives in Visborg, Orlock leaves unobserved, carrying one of his coffins down the road, no one notices, into his new home. Many deaths start to happen in the town following Orlock's arrival, which the town's doctor blame on an unspecified plague. Well, finally, Hutter makes it back home, and Ellen reads the book that Hutter found and notices that the book claims a vampire can be defeated if a pure-hearted woman distracts the vampire with her beauty and offers him her blood of her own free will. Thus, she decides she's going to sacrifice herself. That night, she opens her window to invite Orlock in and pretends to fall ill so she can send Hutter off for the doctor. After Hutter rushes out, Orlock enters and drinks her blood, but then the sun rises and shines on the back of Orlock, which causes him to vanish in a puff of smoke. Ellen lives just long enough to be embraced by her grief-stricken husband. The end. Yay! Yay, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Now, if you're watching the video version of this episode on Spotify or YouTube, um, I, I acted out the entire thing while Chris was narrating it. Yeah, and Sam did a great job. You know, it's Thank because... You. I didn't notice it until this moment, but you and Count Orlock kind of got uh, a similarity got a thing look alike going on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're like the, the jawline. Yeah. Yeah, Orlock's like the handsome Sam. That's what I call it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's not the, the buck teeth fangs that gives, gives it away. No, well, you got your teeth fixed, but yeah. Yeah, yeah they retract. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what did we think of this movie? Yeah, what did we think? Um, you first. Uh, this movie was made a couple years before you were born. Yeah. Um, so what's your thoughts? I, well, I, um, I definitely tried to embrace the self-scare. I mean, knowing sure, that sure. it was something that came out. You picked the weirdest movies to embrace the self-scare on. <laughs> well, what I mean is I, I tried, well, I, I tried and I failed. I tried to put okay. my best foot forward. I was like, sure. hundred year old movie. You got to sit down. You got to focus on it. You're probably not going to get super scared, but like, that's okay. It's an experience. Um, midway through, I did pick up my phone to start scrolling through Instagram and I got distracted for a little while. And then at one point Which I looked is, up and I was like, what, how did we get onto a boat? What's happening here? Because well, it's cause it's a silent movie. <laughs> that's it. You have to realize when you're watching a silent movie, there was like orchestral yeah. music playing the entire time, but they right, right. would, I'm sure everyone knows this, right? You, there's no, there's no dialogue. So they would, they would be dialogue cards where they would show like the words that the people were speaking. So if you are not paying full attention visually, you miss some of that. Because usually, if I'm watching a show or have something on the background, you can multitask a little bit and still catch mm. everything that's going on. Right. Well, I also, I kept, I didn't, I, um, my attention flew away and it didn't, I was like, oh, I won't miss much. I'm just going to scroll for a minute. And then I looked up and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I think it's been 10 minutes and I don't know what I missed. Oops. Sorry. Also, we learned that you and I watched slightly different versions of the movie. We did. We did. Uh, so 
I did send you a text uh, that said, <laughs> hey, make sure you watch the the remastered one from 2000 or whatever. The one that it's you had available. to pay for? Yeah, it was $4, Sam. It was $4. No, you could own it for five. I'm you cheap. You own it forever. I am a cheap bitch. But, but now, well, that's we know. But uh, so the one I saw, which is actually one of my, uh, my my list of interesting points is pretty limited because uh, what did I think? I think that this was an interesting piece of history. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, but, you know, a, a movie that's 102 years old, just the thought that no one that saw that movie in theaters is alive to talk about it, or at least that we know of, you know, right. Um no one is doing interviews to say, hey, I was in the theater when Nosferatu came out and I was 21. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, right. And then they can tell us how their experience was. That's probably how they talked back in 1922. But it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think that's what's crazy about it is you have this movie from so long ago that like almost a lot of a ton of the original copies were destroyed and somehow it survived the test of time. Um, and yet here we are watching it. It's like someone yeah. listening to this episode in 100 years and it's like, <gasps> Who are these guys doing? What is a podcast? Oh my god! I don't even know what phones look like. There's probably something in their head, and they're like, "What's this? This you watched it on a phone?" I know. If you are um, listening in the year twenty uh, one twenty three, if you're listening a hundred years <laughs> in the future, just know that this podcast was the most successful scary movie of all podcast, time. basically of all time. Yes, of all time. Most and awards, also everything. You know, and also like, subscribe, leave us a five star <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah, leave us a comment. only, <laughs> only if it's twenty one twenty four, right? Um, uh, but yeah, to, so so I think we did, we identified one of the biggest. I mean, spoiler: we talked a little bit before we recorded. Sorry, uh, but one of the I think main things that we noticed is that you watched the black and white version, right? And, and I saw one that was had some mine color was color tinted. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of the coolest things that might not have distracted you away by your phone uh, is that they use different colors to show different times of day, which I just thought like in a black and white environment, there's no sound. That was one of the most interesting things to me, yeah. like blue and greens were representing night and then pinks and yellows were daytime. And was that twilight. something that was like added later? If they were different versions, like a regular, like a you know black and white version and then a tinted version? Maybe. Hmm. Also, you um, mentioned that a lot of the original ver copies have been destroyed. Tell everybody yeah. why. What happened there? Um, well, as it turns out, people hated this movie. No, they no I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so hopefully all the Team Chris folks at home that you know, know a little bit about vampires have heard of Bram Stoker's Dracula. If you've never heard of the novel, which is you know older than Nosferatu, then surely you've heard of, you know, the movie with Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman and uh, Winona Ryder. Anyway, uh, hopefully you at least know what that is. But Nosferatu effectively is loosely based on Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the book. Um, and we say loosely because they never had actual copyright permission. Uh, they they changed all the characters' names. They did a very different take on Dracula. They didn't even use the term Dracula. You never hear Dracula, right? So, so it's very loosely based, um, you know, based on this one article that I found that notes uh, some of the differences and likenesses between them. Like, I think the whole story of Thomas Hutter going to Dracula's castle and then Dracula arriving back in what would be London in uh, Bram Stoker's world versus Germany in, in Nosferatu. Like, that's four chapters of of Bram Stoker's Dracula out of 27. 
but that's effectively oh. the majority of the plot point for Nosferatu, right? So it's it's that's what it's loosely based. Anyway, so to answer your question, uh, it's, you know, it's like I go down rabbit holes a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so after this movie came out, Bram Stoker's widow actually sued them uh, and the entire film company for copyright infringement, and was in like seven years of litigation. Like she was doing her damnedest to try to get all the original copies destroyed. And they did destroy a lot of them. I don't know exactly how many. I didn't count. Uh, also, I wasn't there. But that's, yeah. So that's why it's even more interesting that it stood the test of time. And, and I mean, that ties right into, again, this other article. It's called Blood Brothers, Dracula versus Nosferatu. But, but by this person making this movie in particular and this different spinoff of Dracula, it kind of, it kind of resulted in two divergent traditions of vampires right Mm. um so like just some of the comparisons and i didn't note all of them but like you know you have nosferatu who's this like sad like lonely desolate symbol of illness malnutrition and pestilence right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but like the dracula that we all know or at least that would come to be right is this like erotically appealing vampire Mm. suavely seducing victims um turning some people into vampires. Nosferatu kills all of his victims. Dracula is like a predator who can be hunted in turn, but Orlok is more like an infector, a germ. Mm. Uh, there's lots of visions in Nosferatu of rodents and rats, and the, his bite mark being mistaken oh, yeah, for mosquito. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's set that, that down this like, you know, century long path of divergence. Um, this article also said this, which I, I want to get your take on this. Yeah. <laughs> the author said, Nosferatu is a man suffering from love and loneliness. His castle is lonely and desolate, so he moves into society and is killed by a woman he falls for when she tricks him. I didn't so, get super romantic vibes from this guy. He was kind of creeping around. He kind of reminded me of, uh, um, what's the character's name from Despicable Me? <laughs> oh, yeah, like that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Doctor, Not necessarily in personality, that... just in his like shape. No, no. You he know who he reminded similar. me of? You said you haven't seen Ratatouille, but the food critic no, from no. Ratatouille is like very inspired. He has like uh, vampire vibes. Like when he opens the door and his shadow is cast in the room, the shape yeah. behind him is like the shape of a uh, coffin. And he looks like a vampire. I bet you. I bet you that's probably pulled from Nosferatu. You know what? Hold on real quick. Yeah, Google it. Google what is it. This? Um, he does. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Ratatouille came out a long time ago, but he does turn nice in the end. Oh, just like Nosferatu. Kind of. So there's a lot of like online resemblances. I'm I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole trying to figure out if there was any, right, right, right. anything to it. That's yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. I'm but, sorry uh, I brought that but in. I do, but, but no, but I see the picture and I see what you're talking about. He is very, very similar. Um, just like creeping around. Just, just creeping around. Just trying to get the love of his life who has a lovely neck. And she's like, no, don't leave when the sun comes up. Bite me again. It's very Sam. And then <gasps> the sun comes up. And speaking of. Uh, so when we talk about legacy and stuff, Nosferatu is the reason that vampire movies to this day uh, utilize sun as a method to kill mm, vampires. Okay. Um, that was another comparison is like Dra- Dracula is killed by a stake through the heart. That's a standard vampire movies, yeah. wooden stake to the heart. But the sunlight killing a vampire, that is explicitly from Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Interesting. Yeah. It was really, that's so fascinating to think about like, Someone creating this movie, and this is also, I think, what was the most fun about watching this movie was thinking about the fact that it was created over 100 years ago. So the people who were making it, like, 
we see the actors, but what about all the people behind the scenes who are yeah. creating this piece of art? Um, and it's actually, it's just impressive to think about what the, the technology they had at the time and the resources they had available and this, you know, just thinking through how they created this. And it's really fascinating yeah. to think about somebody was sitting there saying, okay, how should we kill this guy? Oh, what if it's the sun? What if just being right. exposed to sunlight is it? And then he poofs into smoke and okay. Oh, how can we create the smoke effect? And oh, how should oh, we yeah. trick him into getting exposed to the sunlight? And like they had to think through that and that yeah. idea then seeded something that became just part of our, that's just how, what we understand about vampires now. Yeah. And you see it, it everywhere crazy. else. And, 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 and there's no way of course that like the person that was doing that movie back then would ever have an idea that a hundred years later, that would still be a common trope in vampire movies. Right. right? That this right. one decision they made um, would carry on for forever really. Right. Like, yeah. I was actually pretty impressed with the, like the way that they were able to capture like the amoeba or the cell or whatever it was through the microscope. I mean, I know they had microscopes yeah, yeah. then, but the fact that they were able to like capture it on a can- on film in such a way that yeah. it could be used in a movie, like projected, and I was like, oh, I didn't know they could do that I, in the 1920s. I honestly thought it was just really good amoeba puppetry. It, well, maybe it was. Just kidding. And I just totally no, a, a muppetry. That. Oh, that's where they came up with the term muppets, and again. It said the test of, I'm making that up. Okay. Um, and it was just cool to yeah, see was, like, like these old buildings. I read somewhere, by the way, that all of the buildings that are in the movie are still standing this day, but it's just cool yeah, to see the yeah. places and it feels like you're looking through time, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It It is. I mean, I think that, and, and we're, we'll, you know, talk about this more and more, but I think that that's exactly what makes this. If nothing else, it's just like a relic. It's something a in a museum. It's something you like you dig up, you find this, this, you know, that's been partially restored. I, we, I didn't mention this, but the, even the symphony music isn't the original music, right? Like they lost the music somewhere along the way. So they had to put new music to it. So, so which gets into something I'm going to talk about, about like so much of it's lost and it's just this restored piece that, you know, will never really, you know, it's just something to look at and never really know what it, what it would have been like in the moment to be watching it hundred years ago yeah. and have it be so revolutionary because like, you know, it's, it's like the exorcist of the time. The exorcist was the big scary movie and it freaked people out, but this was totally, this movie was almost banned. No, this movie it was, was banned, banned. Wasn't yeah. banned in Sweden. Sweden? Yes. Yeah. Until like the because 1970s or something. Yeah. Because of like extreme horror. Yeah. Which yeah. is just crazy that we watched this and we're like, okay, oh, cool. nice shadows on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Spooky. <laughs> um, one of the things that I thought was, well, I, I don't know if this is like my my favorite, but like it made me laugh a little bit. Is because they don't have audio and they don't have conversation. Like the and I, their you know, film hadn't been around that long, so just the over dramatization of the facial expressions oh, and they're the like so dramatic, the pulling and the kissing and the acting and the and it's just like oh yes. the evil guy in the cell. It's just very over the top. Yeah, um, the way the main guy like, like his physical act acting when he was like he like slunk up the stairs in fear and yes. i was like oh yeah yeah, God, yeah. you're so dramatic <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic yeah yeah it was it was it was interesting for sure yeah and so circling back to this like relic of history i found a really interesting article uh, i kind of rabbit holed right i found the one that compared dracula and nosferatu because i really kind of wanted to see what that looked like and i've never read bram stoker's dracula i just know you know the the movie pretty well or at least I did in the 90s. Uh, it's been a while. But but I found this very interesting article. And 
there's like a few things to take away from it. One, I think one of the big pieces though, is it kind of summarizes this as a piece of history that we will never fully understand because we will never, it's like I said, you know, you find something, you dig it up and you don't, you don't get all of it. You partially restore it. And, uh, and, and you, you think you have an idea of what it might've been or what it might've been used for, what it might've been about. Um, but you can't ever know because you weren't there. And anyway, mm. I'll dig into it a little bit. But also the other the other piece that I'll, of this article is just I think that with anything that is older than, I don't know, you know, our generation, there's potential for there to be problematic themes associated with it. You know, we, mm. we talked about Cabin in the Woods in the yeah. 90s and like some of the um, the sexualization of the female character and calling her the whore right, and, right. and how like that wasn't that long ago. But it it seemed like that's that feels very antiquated. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though that was our lifetime, you don't have to go um, very far anyway. back to find scenes from movies that you're like, oh, that's a little problematic, right? Yeah. So so only imagine what, what you might be able mm. to pull out of a movie from a hundred years ago. So um, again, I'm gonna forefront this with this whole article. Basically, takes away that we'll never actually know if this is if this is what it actually was about. Uh, and of course, Sam and I, like, we don't know enough to know enough. You know, we're, we are not scholars, but I thought the article uh, needed to be shared. So here we go. Uh, so this was actually from the Daily Nebraskan, um, which is not a newspaper that I, I read often. Uh, you know, I, maybe I'll check it out. So it's called Nosferatu Cast Haunting Shadow Over Cinema 100 Years Later. And so it opens up again, kind of like I said, it talks about it's been 100 years. A lot of the contemporary meaning's been lost. Uh, no one alive today saw it in theaters in the 20s. Same thing we were talking about. So it's almost like this alien piece of media. It doesn't conform to tropes or conventions that we know of as horror, right? It doesn't meet what we think of as horror today. Uh, and the scares, you know, in Nosferatu, they're rooted in the atmosphere and the dramatic musical stings. But like we said, the original score is not even there, right? So most of the score was lost. So we have this newly composed music. So this obscurity just leaves, you know, us as modern audiences, like, in an unwinnable battle to dissect this mu movie qualitatively because we're never going to know what it was originally. Mm -hmm. um, so really all you can do is try to pull out themes of the movie and compare it to, you know, um, historical themes of the time. Uh, and so this article goes on to say count Orlock himself represents a foreign other, a rich man moving to Germany intent on taking the country's land and women for himself, all the while bringing a plague onto the town. Coupled with his pale skin, bulbous nose, bald head, and claw-like hands give a distinctly anti-Semitic ting to the character. Mm. And then it goes on to say, tough to assume it's a coincidence because Hitler's rise to power as a party leader in the Nazi party happened only one year prior to the release of this movie. And so that actually got me thinking because a couple of years ago, I got to go to the Holocaust Museum in Israel. And there's, there's parts of that museum that talk about the caricatures and the imagery that of, of Jewish people that was spread around Germany that dehumanized them um, 20 years before the forties, right? 20 years before what we know of in the U S is world war two, right? Cause we got involved pretty late in the game. Um, so, so, you know, just from a quick search, there's some, there's some character caricatures out there that depict Jewish people as of, of a bunch of different things, different yeah. types of animals, et cetera. But one of them, is vampires and I shared I shared an image with you, Sam, that yeah. looks oddly similar to Count Orlock. Um, but also, do we know which came first? We don't know. 
you know, maybe that's because this movie came out and someone said, oh, you know, right. So so that goes back to the like, we don't really know what we're doing. You know, audiences are doing their best. And obviously it was if if you Google anti-Semitism and Nosferatu, it won't be the only article you find. But yeah. So, again, yeah. We're, di- we're dissecting it through half a lens here. And so it has a little bit of a dark history, potentially up for, potentially. Room for interpretation, room for interpretation. That's fair. But what's also just kind of curious, right? So the, the article goes on to say the, the author says, however, the idea that this was purposeful imagery is even more paradoxical when you look at it closer, because many scholars have noted since that Myrna, the director, was himself gay in the 1920s. Oh. So again, from a from a hundred year later perspective, you would seemingly think that he would be more sensitive to an entire group of people being persecuted for ultimately an invisible yet inextricable part of their being. Right. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, so really, I mean, you can be gay and anti-Semitic or gay and, you can and be, racist right? or gay and homophobic. That happens too. <laughs> that is also, well, that's true <laughs> and confusing. Uh, confusing. Well, go back to horns. I mean, it happened in, let's not talk about horns. Um, oh, horns. But yeah, so, so, you know, again, that's from the perspective of you would hope that maybe they would be sensitive to it, but we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, so the real big takeaway is it says just, it leaves the full grasp of an understanding of this movie truly in a thematic meaning it's intangible it's out of our grasp um and then the last thing that goes on to say is even if an odd impenetrable relic of the past nasferantu endures as an important piece of history it's a specter lurking in the shadows of every piece of horror media you have ever seen the terror nasferatu inflicts on its audience is a metatextual horror being all present and impossible to fully comprehend um we'll never know you know, we'll yeah. never know unless we get a time machine, we go back. Um, sure. And it's also last piece, right? Like, it's interesting because because they're remaking this movie in 2024. You know, Hollywood is pretty sensitive to these sort of things these days. Right. So if scholars and people that have studied the history of movies found this movie to be representative or purposefully anti-Semitic, we would assume that in today's media and Hollywood that they'd be like, uh, maybe we don't remake it. Do that. Oh, yeah. or remake it without that, un- without those undertones, obviously. Sure. Sure. And we'll, <laughs> and time will tell. I mean, first images are out, but I mean, it's December of this year. So, uh, so we'll see. So anyway, sure, surely anyway, they're not going into the project. Like let's, let's just sprinkle a little like anti-Semitism in there. <laughs> I, I mean, hope not. That would I, be, that would be pretty. When I was watching it, I didn't, I, that didn't occur to me, which isn't to say yeah. that that wasn't that that didn't occur to the people who were watching it at the time, right? Like if you're conditioned sure. to associate like certain features, or like if you've seen like a bunch of anti-Semitic propaganda throughout your life, and so mm-hmm. you, they might have just immediately associated like, oh yeah, the vampire's a Jew. Yeah, um, maybe I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind, but it's it totally makes sense how that could be, yeah. you know, some. Uh, a darker side to the movie, those undertones. Yeah. yeah. And of course, like the movies in Germany, the, the original mm. Dracula is in London. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. yeah. Again, we'll never know. Uh, definitely not what I expected to find when I rabbit hold on, on down articles, but um, interesting and a piece of history nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of history, I, after watching this, I was then, and, and learning a little bit about, Bram Stoker's Dracula being conflicting with this movie because I read the same thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, where did like where did vampires 
get their start. If it was, I mean, it had to have been before this. Where did vampires come from? So, yeah, well, they started up. at McDonald's like the rest of us. Wait, I don't get it. What do you mean? Like their first job was at McDonald's. Oh, the night shift. Maybe <laughs> that was that was actually good. Thanks. You took my bad joke and made it better for once. Um, I tried. Um, so. <laughs> Buckle up, because I have a full-on masterclass, PhD-level history of vampires that I want to share with you, because I'm sure we'll do more vampire movies. Also, there's like connections between vampires and zombies, and so here we sure, go. Sure. Let's get into it. Okay. Um, I'm ready for my masterclass, Professor. Yeah, get ready to take notes, because there will be an exam at the end of this. Um, now, there were... Uh, and I'm I'm reading from this. All of this comes from Wikipedia. That's my source. B- boom. It's been mm, cited. Good. Well, um, I'll go and edit it afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> so there were there were like demons and spirits, which are considered like precursors to vampires that existed in okay. like ancient cultures like Mesopotamia and ancient Greeks and Romans, etc. But then the sure. modern concept of vampires started to emerge in like 18th century southeastern Europe. The word vampire okay. first appeared in English in 1732 in news oh, wow. reports about vampire epidemics in Eastern Europe. Mm. So there's connections to plagues and outbreaks and vampires. So you talked about how Nosferatu that there was this like whole thing about him like infecting people or something. There's, right, like he was a plague himself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The English word vampire came from a German word for vampire, which came from a Serbian word for vampire, which had oh. which had other parallels in other Slavic and Turkic languages like Russian, Ukrainian, Turkish, Bulgarian, Croatian, Bosnian, etc. So Southeastern sure Europe translates. Yeah, I'm sure it all translates perfectly. Yeah. Well, well, well. This is what's interesting about the concept of a vampire. Our modern, when you close your eyes and you say, "Picture a vampire," what does a vampire look mm-hmm. like? I'm sure today we have maybe a couple different versions, but like Kiefer well, Sutherland. Yeah. yeah. What was he a vampire? Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah, you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I have seen What We Do in the Shadows. Fun vampire comedy. <laughs> so some, like, very, you know, variations of different types of vampires, but then take our modern understanding of vampires and stretch that over several hundred years, and there's, mm-hmm. you know, even more variations, I'm sure. Yeah. So there's some mm-hmm. really interesting explanations of why, like, Things that you think of for vampires, what, what what things come to mind? Like if you had to say, okay, what is a vampire? How would you describe a vampire? What comes to mind? Uh, fangs. The fangs. Okay. Uh, uh, undead. Undead. Yes. Sensitive to sunlight. Sunlight. Yes. Die by wood to the heart. Okay. The steak thing. Yeah. They drink. Yeah. They like a medium steak. No. Uh, they drink the blood. They like a rare steak. Bloody. Yep. Yes. Uh, not the meat, just the blood. Uh, they can make other vampires by having the vampires drink their blood. Oh. But if they drain them all the way, then they kill them. But they have Got to it. like feed them their blood to make other vampires. Okay, okay. This is good vampire science. Okay. So yeah, vam- vamp sci- vampire science. Vamp science. Uh, there are some there are some like possible explanations for why we think about some of those things about vampires. So one theory is that um before we had a strong understanding of how the body decomposes, that mm-hmm. when bodies were dug up, for whatever reason, I don't know why they would dig one up initially, 
mm-hmm. they would notice strange things about the bodies. In some cases, you would you would think that the body would be like super like decayed and like you know the skin is gone and everything. But in some cases, sure. depending on the soil and how the body was buried, it might have actually been like you know somewhat preserved. You know, like a mummy. Sometimes they might look better after death than they did in real life because what happens is your Rude. body as it's decomposing is it start, it creates gases that then Ooh. like expand in your body so you might look more like plump right, right. so if you were like frail right. and like you know you're like yeah. old and frail and then and then in death after being buried your body like plumps up so early vampires were described as being like bloated in appearance purplish mm. Um, sometimes in the decomposing process, there might be stuff that comes out of your mouth or your nose, like blood. Gross. So gross. But think about it. You dig someone up and you see blood coming out of their mouth. You're like, (gasps) Uh, I'd be like, I'd be like, I dig it. Uh, You would? I know because I dug them up. Oh I dig my it. god, no, that's terrible. Sorry, they're bad today. <laughs> it's all right. Just keep trying. Uh, so so then they started to think like, oh well, they must be like eating some or sucking blood or killing animals or killing people. Got it. Oh, the blood is because they were eating something. Got it. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, so one thing that they might do if a decomposing body was like swelling is to mm-hmm. stake it. You know, like a wooden stake, kill the vampire, oh. right? To help, like pop the. Yes, yeah, get some of the gases out. Sometimes, though, when those gases were leaving the body, they might come through the windpipe, and just that air forcing through the windpipe may, might make like uh, uh, like they were breathing you know, like or a sound. Yeah, okay, right? okay. Um, mm-hmm. Or also, according to Wikipedia, if they come out the other end, it might sound like flatulence. So, oh, I mean, isn't that what it would be? Yes, that is exactly what it would be. But regardless, okay, okay, which okay. end it's coming out of. The villagers would be like, oh my God, they're alive. Oh, they're speaking, vampires. they're farting. Like they weren't, they're not dead. They're alive, right? Why has there not been then in all of history, PhD Sam? Yes. Um, like why is there not like a 1957 movie about the, the farting vampire? Well, it, maybe it's just I don't want to see this to movie, but okay. Well, so there's more. Um, when your body's decomposing, your skin and your gums lose fluid and they contract, which mm-hmm. exposes oh, the, the roots of your nails, your hair, your teeth. Yes. So there was like the idea of like the fangs or even like if you had um, teeth that were concealed in your jaw, like, you know, right. if you were younger and you had you know, your adult teeth hadn't come in or something yet, whatever, you'd see, you'd see yep. those other teeth. Um, yeah. It would kind of create an illusion with the nails that like, oh, their nails have grown. They hadn't grown. Right. It's just the skin had like retracted. Same thing with the hair. Um, hmm. There is a neurologist, a Spanish neurologist named Juan Gomez Alonso, who has a whole theory around rabies. Rabies? Rabies. So humans can contract rabies. Um, this is, by the way, this guy is a modern neurologist. Like, okay, he's alive today. It wasn't like somebody from like 400 years and ago. He's not a vampire. Yeah, I just wanted to like catch us up because those people who were like freaking out about digging up the bodies and seeing all the decomposition, right. that was like 400 years ago. Okay, okay. Um, and I have some more fun facts about those people. But uh, this neurologist, Dr. Gomez Alonso, he was like, maybe, maybe there were people in the past who had rabies 
who people thought were vampires because you know how okay. like if an animal gets rabies and wants to bite you apparently the sure. same is true in humans he said 25 percent oh. of rabid men have a tendency to bite others so like come on a vampire biting people like hmm, interesting um he also you know we have this idea that vampires are their weaknesses are garlic and bright light sure yeah if you have rabies one of the symptoms is hypersensitivity so things like bright lights are like really potent right smells the garlic right could be really like repulsive interesting um vampires are often known to have a very voracious sexual appetite Sure, um, sure. When you have rabies, uh, oh, also the whole no- nocturnal thing—you know, sleeping yeah. during the day and alive at night. When you have rabies, parts of your brain that regulate sleep and sexual behavior are affected. Hmm. So, who knew? Well, this guy knew, and he's trying to tell the rest <laughs> of us. And then the list goes on. I mean, it's this has to be the what vamp what vampires had. They just had rabies. Um, so they just had rabies. There was a saying, Edward Cullen just had rabies. The whole he just time. had rabies. Yeah, all he needed yeah. was his rabies vaccine. There's. Did a, you know also yeah. that one of the side effects of rabies is it makes your skin glittery in the sunlight. Oh, and a just like in way. Twilight, and it makes your friends turn to werewolves. And sometimes they like imprint on your kid, and it's creepy, weird, but it's okay because they'll protect <sighs> them. I haven't seen um, Twilight, I'm, but I think we're deviating away from the science and moving back into speculation. Also, we're going to watch Twilight for this show because no. I think it would be funny. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, sorry. Well, I am curious now to see the connections between, you know, different representations of vampires. Okay, yeah, wait, yeah. okay so there's more here from Dr. Gomez Alonzo. Um, okay. There was also this urban legend that um, mm-hmm. a person who is has rabies cannot look at their own reflection or if you have rabies oh you can look at your own reflection like you can make eye contact with yourself and there's Weird. this whole idea that vampires vampires don't have, no reflection. have a reflection yeah yeah which maybe if someone was rabid right and they they like refuse to like look themselves in the mirror somebody was like oh my god they don't they don't have a reflection right um and then the last one is that uh, animals who often get rabies are bats mm-hmm. and wolves Oh, which are often associated with vampires. Right. Yeah. You solved it. We solved the mystery. We solved the mystery. You just need to give them a rabies vaccine and they'll turn back to humans. They'll turn back to humans. Oh, man. So that's where vampires might have. That's those are. These are some of the reasons we think that the idea of vampires might have emerged. Now, there were some things that, uh, people did to try and avoid their loved ones after they died turning into vampires and then ways okay. to try and sort of combat um you know if you had a vampire in your local graveyard you wanted you know to do something about it so burn them well there's there's easier options i'll i'll give them to you yeah there was something about like if an animal like a dog or a cat like jumped over a dead body then that body was at risk of becoming a vampire something okay, that's about weird. that hmm. but there so there were some things they did like burying a corpse upside down it's one option try and help the person avoid turning into a vampire um okay. and placing objects like a scythe or a sickle near hmm. the grave to satisfy any demons entering the body or hmm. to appease the dead so that it wouldn't want to you know come 
arise out of its coffin, which sure, connects sure. back to the Greek practice of putting eye, uh, putting uh, coins on the eyes. Or no, right, what was right. it? On the mouth? Something like that. To help pay for their toll to cross the River Styx. Sure, sure. Um, so my question to you is, when when you are buried, what can I put in your coffin to prevent you from, like, what would you, how could I appease you so that you have no desire to leave your coffin? <laughs> well. Like, mine would probably be either french fries or cupcakes, like some snacks, hmm. just to hold me over okay. until I get to okay. the afterlife. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Well, so first of all, I'm probably going to live forever. Um, mm. And that might be because I'm a vampire. But mm. so I may say put nothing in there because I want to come back. I don't want to experience the world. Uh, although, you know, I'll miss the sun a little bit, you know, by, su- you know, in Blade, they put on like sunscreen. I don't really know if that works. Uh, I'll figure that out when I'm, I'm a vampire. But if I didn't want to be a vampire is what you're saying. What yes. could you stick in my What if I don't want coffin? you to be a vampire? <laughs> oh, well, that's... Well, trust me. I'm trying to prevent my vampires wishes, from my village. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Let's see. What could you put in there? You could probably put a cheeseburger over my right eye. Okay. And Very detailed. a glass of coffee in my oh, left hand. Coffee and a cheeseburger. And a slice of pizza in my other hand. Okay. And then over my other eye. You want to make you a cocktail? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. A nice cocktail. I love how it's like, it's just food and drink. Actually, that's all we need. And then, and then douse my body in red wine. Cause I've got to have plenty of that to go for a while. Oh. Actually just fill up the coffin. That's Good red graphic. wine. Though. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> You're like, it's either that or I'm coming back as a vampire. Yeah. What do you want? It's yeah. Um, you asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> also, maybe a steak. Okay, maybe I just need dinner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So now we know. Um, yeah. The, and we're almost done here with our history of vampires. Uh, mm. There were some things that the people in the time did to um, help protect themselves against the vampires. I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Like burn down the graveyard, show up with your wooden sure. stakes. Much simpler method is to use poppy seeds, millet, or sand, or something of that nature. Sprinkle it on the ground of the gravesite where the presumed vampire lives. Um, and so in the, yeah. when he wakes up in the evening, he will be occupied all night simply by counting the fallen grains. Wait, I saw that somewhere. That's all it takes. I saw that somewhere. Where did you see that? Where did I see that? That was... So that was on one of the most recent episodes of Doctor Who. So they recently did. Do you ever watch Doctor Who? No. So I've only watched the new Doctor Who, uh, but I'm a fan. I like time travel and I like timey wimey things and I like big blue boxes that go through time and space. Anyway, uh, so 60th year anniversary, David Tennant reprised. Well, he came back. He was the 10th Doctor. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, We should probably do a Doctor Who podcast, but um, but in one of the episodes, they're on a spaceship and there's these there are these weird creatures that are like trying to take them over and, and like become them They're They like come from nothing. So then they end up looking anyway. But at some point they put something on the ground and he puts this thought in their head that they have to count every grain. And so they get preoccupied by doing it. 
Anyway, uh, so it's not related to vampires, but it's like literally the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like they make them believe that they have to count all these grains and they use that as a shield. Anyway, super weird. Hmm. Um, and nothing to do with vampires, but also what a coincidence. I thought you were going to say that the episode where you also saw this was on Sesame Street. Okay. Because of the one grain of sand. Yes, uh, yeah, uh. the vampire who counts. Okay, so I mean that's probably that is just because he's a count. You know, like the title of a count, like Count Dracula. Is that why he's count? Yes. Is that why all the Draculas are count? Mm. Uh, yes. That has nothing to do with this defensive maneuver of getting them to count. I think those are just totally unrelated. But when I was reading about the counting of grains or whatever. I was like, sure. Is that where a Sesame Street thing comes from? But I think they just were playing a play on words of like the title of count. Right. His name, by the way, is count von count count von count. Yeah. Very creative. Yeah. Very, very original. What if that had been how Nosferatu had ended? They just like sprinkle some sand around his coffin and he gets out and then the rest of the movie is him just like (laughs) counting grains of sand and they're like, see ya. Yeah, and then like it's like one one then it like flashes to a hundred years later, and that's actually probably what the twenty twenty four Nosferatu is going to be out a hundred <laughs> years later. He's like one billion five hundred fifty seven thousand, <laughs> and then he's like twenty nine, and then he looks up, and like the world around him is it's completely like totally changed, different. and he's underground. Somebody's like head yeah. is like buried on their smartphone, and they like walk through his sand pile, and he's like, "God damn, I have to start over." <laughs> yeah, and then he turns into a vampire, and then that yeah. is how the movie starts. And that's how. It- you should off. write this movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll call it The Count. Count von... I don't know. <laughs> so you talked about how Nosferatu, Nosferatu was inspired by Bram Stoker's Nosferatu. Dracula. So let's mm-hmm. go back a little bit. Vampires mm. first showed up in poetry as early as the 1740s. So Bram Stoker's Dracula okay. was written in 1897. A good, okay. I don't know, 150 years or so after Vampire. 1897? Yes, which is also a good 30 years or so okay, before okay. this movie came yeah. out. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, po- uh, poetry about vampires back in the 1740s. Uh, the first like story or prose about vampires was The Vampire, written in 1819. Okay. And then... Okay. Um, so, that came before Nosferatu as well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way before. There was no book of Nosferatu. There was just the sure, movie, sure, right? Yeah, because yeah. it was just a take of Bram Stoker. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, Bram Stoker, Stoker's wife, who sued for Nosferatu. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, was anybody suing Bram Stoker for writing Dracula just because it was it may have been heavily influenced by an earlier story that came out well, twenty years prior? It was called The Vampire, though. Well, so this one I haven't mentioned yet came out oh. in eighteen seventy one. Story called Carmilla. Oh, that Dracula movie. No, no, it's not Dracula. It's Carmilla. What? Carmilla by Sheridan okay. Le Fanu. Heavily influenced Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. Carmilla okay. is a lesbian vampire. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So that, so we think that that inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yes, it came out like 20 years before it. What I think is cool mm. is that it was a lady vampire, a vampiress, if you will. Okay. I just love the representation. You know, so you talked about Nosferatu having some problematic sides to it. I think it's true, great true. that this lady, I think it's a lady, 
is writing yeah, about but, the lesbian vampire. But is she writing about um, lesbianism being a monster that is yeah, a vampire? Yeah, probably. And I think so. I, but I think it's probably <laughs> like, like as a reader, they were probably like, oh my God, this is so like shocking, but also like, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. we're reading about lesbians. Like, ooh. You know, it had to be in the context. It couldn't be like, let's write this love story between these two women. They true, were true. like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's sneak in some lesbianism. And what is the like genre of that book? It doesn't sound like horror. Is it horror? I mean, was horror a genre of literature in the know. 1870s? Well, let's see. So what is Bram Stoker's Dracula? Okay, okay, here we go. Carmilla is an 1872 gothic novella. By Irish okay. author Sheridan Le Fanu, who I need to know. Oh, it is a man. And one of the early works of vampire fiction predating Bram Stoker's Dracula by 25 okay. years. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just wondering, I, and I'm not, not going to read it in the next five seconds, but like you look up Bram Stoker's Dracula, it talks about horror fiction. I mean, there's also like fantastic fantasy, right? Because vampires are fantasy. I'm curious how it was written because if she unless like there's you know unless she's killing a bunch of people is it written like more on the romantic side because that's kind of the story it played between these two women yeah uh or is it written like a combination of both because Bram Stoker's Dracula honestly is kind of a combination well again I'm leaning on the movie if you read the novel comment in the section about the things I'm wrong about but in the movie Bram, the Dracula is this being that is not good looking, but can make himself look this way. And mm. he's going after this woman who was like the reincarnation of his old lost love. And so there's romance and sensualism, but also he's a monster. And you know what I mean? So there's, it balances both, um, which I think is kind of a very common vampire trope of there's the romanticism, there's the romance. but then there's the yeah. viciousness, right? Yeah. And some Sometimes it's blamed on, the craving, I think, I think, you know, I, true blood, you know, I think mm -hmm. even interview with a vampire, I think a lot of it, they lean on the craving is what makes them monstrous. And I think some lean on, well, no, they're just monstrous. Um, but anyway, so that's why I'm curious about how, like how in, in what like feel was it actually written? Yeah. I don't know. So if you could read that and let me know, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. I'm just glad there was, was a lesbian vampire out there. Me too. There were probably more. There probably. Oh, also, um, homosexuality in the vampire genre, also very common. Yeah, the vampires and what we do in the shadows love to have like orgies and stuff with one another. Yeah. But I mean, it makes sense if you're a vampire and you're going to live forever. Like, you might as well try anything <laughs> once. You got plenty yeah. of time to experiment. Yeah. No holds barred. That's what that's what they always say. Yep. Bite. Take a bite out of time and everything. What? Yeah. I don't know. So I think I know, well, I, I'm not going to guess for you. Uh, what would you rate Nosferatu? Oh, boy. I mean, zero. Um, well, this is hard, okay? Because right. if you were watching it in 1920s, you right. might be like, oh, it's terrifying. It's a 25 out of 10. It feels unfair to rate it, you know, because mm. I... I mean, well, you it know, just... we've been having a lot of... We've been doing a lot of assessment of what rating even means. Yeah, uh, this. You know, this this season. Uh, but you know what? It's Sam's scary scale. Was I sure. scared? No. It was a zero. It was okay. not. It was zero scary. If you yeah. are thinking about, like, should I watch scary movies or not? And you're like, 
I don't want to watch something that's super scary. Well, this is not super scary. It's very academic. Yeah. It gives you a, a glimpse into the past. So yeah. it's really less a question of if you can handle a scary movie and more of a question of can you handle a silent movie? <laughs> yeah. Can you handle a silent movie with symphony music playing the whole time? Yeah. I, mean, uh, I agree. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, shall we choose the next movie? Da-da, you know da, what? Da, 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 da. Sure. Hey, if you're enjoying Scary Movie Fright Night, hit pause real quick, rate, review, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, back to the episode. So next episode, we're going back to the genre that gave us Midsommar, folk <gasps> horror. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I mean, no guarantee. No guarantee the movie's going to be as good as Midsommar uh, or anything like it. None of these are A24. There was one that was A24 that I almost put on the list, but I was like, mm. We just did A24 oh. theme. I want to save it for a later A24 theme. Okay. We got to have some A24 right. movies go That's back. Fair. How many times are going to say A24? But I seem to remember with the folk one that we had this um, debate about what makes something folk horror. And I don't remember yeah. what, where we landed. Do you well, remember? Yeah. I listened to that episode all the time and we talked about it. Well, what was it? <laughs> I'm Googling <laughs> it, Sam, because I don't really <laughs> remember. So it's a subgenre of horror or horror fiction that uses elements of folklore to invoke fear or foreboding. So cults, okay. you know, witches like 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 the witch. That's kind of folky. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, technically vampires could be kind of folk horror. I think. Um, oh, okay, now this is starting to bl- feel too foggy. Like, oh, okay, it could be a lot kidding. of different things. Take that back. I, so this one says it better. <laughs> Thanks, Google. Uh, so rural settings, folk religion, okay. paganism, isolation, close relationship to the land, witchcraft. Okay. Okay. Yeah, something that, that inspires folk music. I was thinking, yeah, folk music. Like yeah. I was thinking, like cabins and like violins. Hmm. Cabins and or fiddles. I mean, that sounds like a fun weekend camping trip. If you ask and like cornfields, that feels mm. like folk folk horror to me. Cream corn, but not like UFOs. Fields. Not no. like corn. I want to see a what do you call those UFO things? folk horror movie genre bending genre bending and welding genre welding we're gonna weld together some genres uh do you want to know right. what the first movie is yes yeah well i'm not gonna tell you what the movie is but here is the fun and joyous version of the synopsis thanks to our friend ChatGPT. in the picturesque landscapes of a mystical realm follow our spirited heroine as she navigates a world brimming with whimsy and charm amidst the rolling hills and enchanting forests she discovers the magic hidden in the simplest moments, accompanied by a cast of delightful characters who add a sprinkle of eccentricity to her journey. As laughter echoes through ancient glades and joyous celebrations come to life, our protagonist unravels the threads of an enchanting tale that will captivate your imagination. Get ready to be swept away in a kaleidoscope of emotions, where every scene is a brushstroke of joy on the canvas of this cinematic adventure. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Yeah, I actually don't know what if that said anything, to be perfectly well, honest. But it kind of sounds like Alice in Wonderland. Hmm. Enchantment, merriment, explorer, islands, wonders. Scope. Sure, sure. Yeah, I can see it. Hmm. It's like Alice in Wonderland goes to Horrorville. Yeah. That's actually what the name of the movie is. Okay, what's the second one? Step into a world of enchantment and merriment as our fearless explorer ventures into a hidden island bursting with peculiar wonders. Amidst the laughter and camaraderie of the island's inhabitants, a tapestry of delight 
eccentricities come to life. Revel in the jubilant energy as a protagonist unravels the island's mysteries, revealing a story woven with unexpected twists and turns. Brace yourself for an exhilarating experience where Joy takes the lead in this whimsical and spellbinding tale. Also, Eccentricities was in both, but that's fine. Both. This one sounds like Hook. Does it? Does it? I don't know. It's on an island. Okay, okay. It's like it's like Peter Pan. So you have Wizard of... Nope. Wonderful Woman... No, what was the first one you said? Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Robin Hood and Hook Man. And then the final Robin one. Yeah. No. Robin Hood. Peter Pan. <laughs> Peter, Peter Hood. <laughs> Peter Pan. Robin Hood looks like Peter Pan. They both wear green. These... These are all folk stories, though, right? Yeah, does, that's true. Does that count as folklore? It does, because my folks told me about it. Okay. <laughs> Number three. Join a group of friends as they embark on the ultimate woodland adventure. When a lighthearted hiking trip takes an unexpected turn, this tight-knit gang finds themselves in a forest full of surprises. Get ready for a roller coaster of laughter, friendship, and unexpected twists as they navigate the great outdoors. It's a journey filled with joy, fun, and the kind of moments that will have you cheering for this spirited group. Who knew a simple trek could turn into the ultimate bonding experience? Grab your hiking boots and a sense of humor, because this is one wild ride you won't want to miss. Your hiking boots and a sense of humor? Yeah. I mean, Aww. what else do you need? No friends, just Not boots much. and a humor. Okay, so the first one, I can't think of any like redeeming uh, qualities. I'm not like, oh, I really want to see it because of... Yeah, it just sounds kind of like nonsensical, but that's fine. What was the first one? Hmm, not going to tell you. But The Alice in Wonderlandy one? It was. The second one was on an island. On an and island. And that's curious. Yeah. We both live on an island. You live on an island inside of an island. An island, island, island squared. Yep. Um, that's going to throw people off, but, um, okay. So that, and then the third one is, uh, hiking, hiking. in outdoors, friends. smiles and boots, boots and smiles. Hmm. What do we think about these three? I'm trying to decide between numbers two and three. I'm curious mm. about the Island thing. Like, mm. what could that be? I remember there was one movie that came out a couple years, within a couple years that was about like, they were on a beach and they get old really quickly. Oh, it's not that one. That was an M. Night okay. Shyamalan movie called, I think, Old. Old? Yeah. 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 It's also just the story of my life. Well, um, you are looking a little aged this uh, last few weeks. And I like to spend time at the beach. Um, true, true. Can't and tell then the second ten, one, the second one sounds so fun. A sense of does. humor. Grab your hiking boots. Honestly, I want to go oh. on a backpacking trip. Can we go backpacking? We'll just take a break yeah. from this podcast thing. Let's go on a backpack trip. The way that they do in this movie, which I haven't seen, so maybe not, but, you know. Okay, let's do both. Let's go backpacking on this podcast. Okay, Let's do movie number three. It's calling my name. Perfect. When I heard Sense of Humor, I was like, ding, ding, ding. This is for me. Perfect. I think that that's a great movie. I've seen none of the three of them. I'm going to tell you about it. So, uh, first of all, I would tell you what the other two are, but you've never heard of them. The first one... Here I go. I'm not going to tell you. The first one's called Haga Zuza. Don't know. Wow. Don't know. I watched the preview. I don't remember. And the and the synopsis didn't help me. But it got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. But a 52% audience score. Oh. So big differential between those two. The second one. Haga Zuza po- has me wondering if it's a, is it a foreign film? Uh, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. We'll find out if you pick it sometime. Uh, the second you watched the trailer, is, but you. It looked. Fine. 
I want, I did this two weeks ago. Let's be real. Okay. Um, okay. But they looked really good. They all, I, I picked, there were like five folk horror movies. And I, I narrowed it down to these three because they were all a little bit different. The second one was called Apostle. Um, don't remember what that one was about either, but it looked pretty creepy. And then this one is called The Ritual. Okay, so I have a confession. I think I've seen this movie before, but that should not exclude us from watching it because if I remember, it was really scary, but also really good. So I think we should do an episode on it. So I have a confession. Uh, a you told double me confession. you'd seen it before last season when I offered this movie up with Midsommar and you had said, ah. I think that movie scared the shit out of me. And so I purposely oh. put it back on here, also knowing that you wouldn't remember that you told me. Now, I could be wrong, but I was pretty sure you'd seen it. So, so here we are. Yeah, okay, so this is good. Every now and then, it's good to revisit a film and see if it's still... If I saw it, it was like years ago. Yeah, like 2017 is when it came out. Yeah. So now I get to watch it after everything that we've seen thus far. Yep. It'll be through a new lens. Yeah, and that's why it's interesting because I've never seen it. So it's new for me. But again, you've now watched all these movies, and so maybe you'll be like, Psh, that's not that's child's nothing. play. Yeah, that's that's movie. a different movie. Sorry. So the ritual came out in 2017, as mentioned, directed by David Bruckner, written by Joe Barton and Adam Neville, starring Rafe Spall, Arshur Ali, and Robert James Collier. IMDb gave it a 6.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes of 74 percent, with audience score of 62 percent. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty low, huh? But that's not too low. We've watched movies way lower. And honestly, you know, again, we don't always gauge it. IMDb, I'm a little curious about. I'm not going to rabbit hole about it. But sometimes they give a movie a high rating and we're like, mm, that wasn't that great. And then a lot of, I don't, you don't see a lot of IMDb scores in the eights or nines. Like even movies with 90 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which not that they're the end all be all. You'll see something with a high Metacritic score and a high Rotten Tomatoes score. And IMDb is like, eh, it was a 6.3. Oh, I feel like IMDb is like they're like the Sam of movie rating because you never really understand how they're they're just throwing they're darts. They're just they're throwing just, darts. You're a uh, four. Yeah. OK, the ritual. This will be good. I'm excited about this. Grab your backpack. Grab your rain jacket. We're going for a hike. We're going for a hike and a ritual. I don't really know what this movie is about. Thanks for joining us today. Episode 1922. Nosferatu. There were some words in between there. I didn't say them all. Please take a minute, head over, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't have to watch it. Just subscribe. And then subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Just subscribe everywhere. You might wake up tomorrow and want to watch it somewhere else. And then next week, we'll talk about The Ritual. See you next time. Sam, you're, you're Sam. You're biting your pop filter again. Sam, it's what is not- wrong with me? <laughs> I gotta go before the sun comes up.